this show is for educational purpose and should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O, a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. Every week, you'll learn about alternative ways to improve your health and well-being using the healing power of botanicals such as cannabinoids. Here's your host, Lola Ahanba. Hi, welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk About Medical Weed with Dr. Ho. My name is Lola Ohamba. I am a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. I'm very excited that you are here with me today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. This show is for you if you are a professional, healthcare professional, and you are looking for evidence-based data to counsel your patient on cannabis and cannabinoid products. It's also for you if you are a young professional and you are looking for a means of replenishing lost energy during the day-to-day activities. And finally, the show is for you if you are looking for alternative means to manage your health and well-being. This show is for educational purpose only and should not be taken as a medical advice. So if you need any medical advice, please consult with your physician. Before I go on, let me say thank you to our listeners that already subscribed to the show. If you already subscribed to the show, I would like to say thank you so much. If you are yet to subscribe to this show, please do so. And also to our patrons, thank you for your support. If you would like to support the show, you can see our Patreon link on the website www.wci-health.com. Thank you so much. On today's show, we will be looking at the role of cannabis and cannabinoid in the maintenance and management of uh, mental health conditions. I think it will be safe to say that all of us have experienced at one time or the other in our life a sense of fear, panic, anxiety, some form of fear in any form at all. Really, anxiety or fear can actually be seen as part of human existence. It's kind of a way that we protect ourselves from danger sometimes. So, there are some fear, anxiety that is normal to human existence. For example, if you are going on a dark alley, say you are a young woman and uh, going on a dark alley in the night, you can't just be like, oh, I'm cool. I'm just going to walk down. There's some kind of fear. There's a kind of anxiety that we experience when we're walking towards these dark places, which is normal to human life. It, that can help to protect and uh, help us to avoid danger. That's a normal situation. But there are some situations that is kind of excessive in nature when the fear begins to rule one's life and you cannot successfully go through your day-to-day activities without sense of fear, sense of panic, anxiety, then that's when we start looking into the situation. So in a situation where the fear or the anxiety begins to rule one's life, then it's very necessary to seek treatment in any form that is available out there. 
A lot of people shy away from discussing mental health and mental health issue. It's like a stigma, a negative stigma when people say, oh, mental health. And we really do need to start addressing uh, issues like this and figure out how to be able to manage and keep our health and well-being on intact. So it's nothing to be ashamed of to say, oh, I'm going through some form of mental health issue and untreated mental health can lead to debilitating conditions which can prevent people from living a fulfilled life. According to the Oxford Handbook of Depression, comorbidity. Comorbidity just means disease states that are occurring together, hands in hand. According to this handbook of depression, comorbidity, two to seven percent of people suffering from major depression die of suicide. So this is why it's very important to not keep it to ourselves and to seek help in any form or shape that is available out there. The first disorder we will be looking at today is the anxiety. And I'm sure some people will be like, is that, can you call anxiety mental health? They are part of the mental health condition that we'll be looking at. So anxiety comes in different forms. It can come in what we call panic disorder, Obsessive compulsive disorder that is commonly known as OCD. It can be post traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and it can come in form of phobia. It's kind of like a fear. So, when we talk about panic disorder, it's a form of anxiety disorder that causes people to panic. They have a panic attack. It's like an overwhelming attack comes over them when they're going through this process. Panic attack is a sudden feeling of terror when no real danger is imminent. So it's like people feeling a kind of gripping fear, terror when there's nothing that is really supposed to be causing that kind of uh, feelings. The signs and symptoms that are often seen in this situation include uh, increasing your heart rate, your heart starts breathing faster. There, some people experience difficult in breathing. Some people experience chest or stomach pain, weakness, dizziness, sweating. And some even go to the extent that they will vomit or throw up. Panic attack can happen anytime, anywhere with no signs or warning at all. So, I mean, fear can just grip somebody like that without any warning. Some people can go through panic attack in such a way that they are unable to even leave their home. It's a serious situation. And it's, it's been said that the panic attack is mostly common in, men, in women compared to men. It's a lot of the attacks are seen in women a lot of, a lot of the time compared to men. Sometimes people experience a panic attack when they are under intense stress or pressure uh, in a very stressful situation. Or some people are able to manage and control it through uh, non-pharmacological means, while some, for some people, they have to go through the pharmacological uh, means, which is using medication to, uh, to manage the disorder. The next disorder we will be looking at is the obsessive compulsive disorder. The, that's what I call OCD. OCD is also a form of anxiety. 
disorder with frequent annoying thought called obsession. This is the fear of, it could just be a fear of germs. It could be a fear of just being injured. It's kind of annoying thoughts, kind of obsessive uh, annoying thoughts. So for an individual to control this obsessive thought, sometimes they have a kind of a repetitive task, overwhelming urge to do the thing over and over again, like maybe continuously cleaning, sweeping. That's the compulsive part of the disorder. For some of professionals, it's kind of common with, or say like a pharmacist, like a medical doctor's uh, nurses, they we tend to have this kind of tendency, which is understandable because you are dealing with people's life. The life of people are in your hand. In the case of pharmacists, you are trying to fill medication that is going to make people feel better. And sometimes if you have to check it 10 times to make sure you are putting in the correct medication in that bottle, that's exactly what we need to do. So we, we normally kind of make a little joke about it when in medical, uh, in pharmacy profession that we are all, we all have OCD. So it's a way of continuously doing something. But when it gets to a certain level, this can begin to affect people's life and day-to-day activities. I guess people will be like, so what is the cause of this? Why is it like this? So uh, researchers, uh, they believe that the brain circuit, the electricity uh, wiring of the brain may not be functioning effectively in people with this disorder. The symptoms are often seen in children and teenagers. Normally, it looks like it normally starts at an early age in children and our teens. The next condition we'll look at is the PTSD. That's the post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is a major illness that occurs after people live through a very traumatic situation like, say, war or sexual assault. It could be somebody in an abusive relationship. It could be due to bad weather or it could be a very bad accident. People going through this disorder, they go through intense stress and fear. Even after the situation is over and, and everything is supposed to be normal, it's not normal for them. They still go through this uh, intense fear and terror. PTSD, it affects not just the person that is going through this condition, but it also affects their families and their friends and Neighbors is a major uh, condition, especially considering how many people have gone through war and coming back from war. So we are beginning to see a lot of this situation, especially in our military population and families. Some of the signs and symptoms of PTSD include uh, flashback. They can experience night terror, trouble sleeping, Loneliness, sometimes it can be and come in form of intense anger or rage. Sometimes it's kind of like a guilty or sadness or depression. Like in the case of a guilty feeling, for somebody that has been, say, like a soldier coming back home from war, and unfortunately, maybe they lost some of their friends or loved ones out there, 
it can be very, very saddening. Then you get to a stage as a human being, sometimes they might start feeling like, oh, why, why did I, will, why am I the one that survived? Why, why? The why is what is the problem sometimes because they feel like, oh, I don't deserve to, to survive when this other person is way better than me and they are gone. So those are some of the symptoms that can be seen. Our next condition that we'll look at is what I call phobia. Phobia is a type of anxiety disorder with strong irrational fear of things that possess little or no real danger. Most of these uh, mental health conditions, they kind of interwoven together. But in phobia, there is no, no rational reason why somebody should be afraid. But this person is really, really fearful. That is what we call phobia. Phobia comes in different forms. You call it one is agoraphobia. This is the fear of public places. People can just be afraid to be in a public place. We also have acrophobia. This is uh, the fear of height. People cannot go on top of like a roller coaster. It's an in- intense fear. Then the most common one that everybody talks about a lot of the time is claustrophobia. That is the fear of being closed up in a, in a small space. That is in, in, in the average person, we say, oh, I'm claustrophobia. It's just a fear of being in a closed up environment. And there's also sociophobia. This is the anxiety over being in a, in a, in a public space with people. Most people are suffering from this phobias, any form of phobia. What they do is they try to avoid the situation or the environments that bring in the fear. So that is what a way they try to avoid being in that situation. But sometimes you can avoid being, avoid the situation like you can say, oh, I have sociophobia, so I'm going to stay in my house and not go anywhere. Or I have um, claustrophobia, so I'm not going to go to work because I don't want to stay in my little cubicle. So that's why it's really, really necessary to manage this disorder. Usually it started in children and teenagers. And the cause is really not known. There's, they haven't been able to pinpoint what the cause of this disorder is. But some scientists felt like it might be genetically due to genetic predisposition to, to this disorder. Our next one is a very chronic situation. And of oftentimes, pharmacological like medication might be necessary to manage this disorder. That's schizoaffective disorder. Schizoaffective disorder. The symptoms uh, include schizophrenic episodes such as uh, hallucination, delusion, and there's the mood disorder part of it that is seen in, in form of a depression or manic episode. So what is hallucination? Hallucination is uh, like hearing or seeing things that are not visible to average individual. Like this person, you can say, oh, I'm seeing stuff or hearing stuff, but every other person around are unable to see the same thing. When we talk about delusion, these individuals are holding on to beliefs that are not true. 
that's delusion. They're holding on to what I call, I call delusion more of a conspiracy theory. They're holding on to beliefs that are not really, really true. Schizoaffective disorder can also manifest in form of uh, disorganized thoughts. It can manifest in form of depression. It can manifest itself in what we call manic behavior, such as hyperactive feeling, dangerous or risky behavior. All these are some of this. All these are some of the signs that is manifested in the schizoaffective disorder. So, what is the cause of this? Cause can be due to a defective brain structure or chemistry. It could be due to stress. It could be due to genetics. It could be drug-induced, like in some psychedelic or psychoactive drug like LSD or heroin. This can be drug-induced too. The next disorder we'll look at is depression. Depression is not just a feeling of being down or blue or it's, this is a major medical illness. I know sometimes always say, oh, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. But real depression is a major illness that needs medical attention. Depressive uh, episode can happen in any form or shape. It affects women, it affects men, it affects any race, it affects any ethnicity. You can see it in any socioeconomic status. So it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm rich, so I'm immune to depression. Sometimes you wonder, people like, why will you be depressed? All these people, they are rich. Why would they be depressed? It's not bias or anything like that. It can be seen in anybody. Clinical studies shows that up to 70% of women are more likely to suffer from depression compared to men. And up to 60% of young adults are said to be more likely to suffer from depression compared to people over 50 years old. Most times it's seen more, it's more common in women and also in younger adults compared to the elderly population. So what are the signs and symptoms of depression? The signs can come in form of sadness, lack of energy, feeling of worthlessness, distraction, it could be changing weight, it could be changing sleep, like sleep disorder anxiety. Some of the physical symptoms can be in form of a headache, pain, could be could lead to degenerative disorder and thought of death, or people can even go up to the level of uh, having a uh, suicide ideation. Those are some of the signs that we need to watch out for when we are looking at what's going on with depression. Depression can also be due to genetic predisposition. It could be due to environmental or physiological factor. And it could be due to chemical imbalance in our body. So what are the types of uh, depression that we see uh, around? We can, it comes in form of a postpartum depression. In postpartum depression, this type is seen in women that maybe recently just gave birth to a baby. And that will make sense because when a woman is pregnant, there is so much hormonal changes going on in her body. So this could 
part of the cause of depression is hormonal imbalance. And where else can we see hormonal imbalance more than in pregnant women? So postpartum depression is one type. There is a seasonal affective disorder. This one is common around the winter time when it gets dark early. People start feeling blue or really, really depressed because of the the weather. So that one is common when whenever the weather is changing, especially in the winter and it gets dark. We also have uh, what, the one we call uh, bipolar depression. Bipolar depression is seen in uh, people that are suffering from bipolar disorder. So how do we manage these conditions? Like I said earlier, uh, most of these mental health disorders, they have in the beginning, they have similar pharmacological ways of managing them. Most of the drugs that are used, especially in cases like OCD, panic disorder, the entry level medication that are used can be in in the same class of, of medication. But as a degree of this condition increases, then healthcare professional will start adding more agents to help manage whatever symptom is being expressed. But it's always a rule of thumb to start slow, go slow. So what I mean by that is that the non-pharmacological therapy is always advised when we are looking at medication and treatment. So the same also goes for mental health. So people use what they call talk therapy. Like you talk to yourself, like in the case of OCD, can kind of talk to oneself and try to take control of the situation. So some people find a relief from talk therapy. Also, people look into diet and nutrition. What we eat can affect our mood. We can regulate our mood by keeping blood sugar stable. That is, you eat carbohydrate food moderately in a balanced uh, way. Other thing we can do is take out any food that might be causing problem for us. Like for, for example, some people, they are gluten-free. They don't eat any food that contains gluten. And some people don't eat dairy food. I know it's tough. Like some people, it's not everybody that can afford the gluten-free food. But we can try to say if you look at the situation and say this is causing problem, maybe find a way to eliminate that product from, uh, from the diet. But the most important thing when it comes to diet is to consult with a nutritionist or, or dietitian so they can professionally look at what is going on and give their professional recommendation on the best way to go about it. Another way that we can manage mental health condition is look at the vitamins and minerals in our diet. Signs and symptoms of mental health might be due to deficiency of nutrients such as vitamin D in the diet. Vitamin D level needs to be checked regularly because a lot of people, we go from our house to the car and to the office. Sometimes we, then we go from the office to the car to the house. We are not exposed to the sun as we really need to be. And so even those of us living in Florida, we still, you see here from from time to time, they say, oh, uh, this person is deficient in vitamin D. 
My husband was the doctor's office the other day and they did this uh, vitamin D level and they said, oh, you are low in vitamin D. And I'm thinking with him, I say, are you kidding me now? Vitamin D deficiency in Florida? Because vitamin D, one of the source of vitamin D is the sun. And because we don't get that much exposure to the sun anymore, the our lifestyle is from the house to the car to the office. We will be surprised even for those of us living in Florida, we can get deficiency in vitamin D. So this needs to be checked and looked into. Apart from checking vitamin D for to make sure it's not low, it's also very, very important for us women to make sure we check our vitamin D level because of the potential for osteoporosis, our bone health. Vitamin D is very essential for, for the bone health. And for women, especially women of uh, childbearing age, we lose a lot during pregnancy and all that. So all this needs to be uh, taken into consideration. So sometimes it begins to make sense when they say, oh, more women suffer from depression or this disorder. Then you can see there's potential. We lose a lot of minerals, vitamins in our day-to-day during the menstrual period, pregnancy, all kind of things is going on with, with, with us women. Women, we are... We take it all and we take it in stride and keep moving. So we need to make sure the vitamin D level is in good form. Apart from vitamin D level, the other nutrients that needs to be watched on a regular basis is the vitamin B complex. Vitamin B complex should be checked on a regular basis. So another way is that we look at mental health and find out what we can do to improve things is hormonal hormonal imbalance or hormonal changes. Hormonal imbalance can lead to depressive episodes and other mental health-related issues, such as anxiety, mood swings, at certain time in our lives. For example, in the case of women during pregnancy, for young adults during the puberty stage, and for our elderly population uh, during the menopause, all these are times in our lives that hormone, but hormonal balance can fluctuate here and there. So we need to look at this as a holistic total approach when we are talking about mental health. The other part of hormonal imbalance that we could look at is the thyroid-related disorder. Thyroid-related disorder has been implicated in depressive episodes in many individuals that have maybe low thyroid level or high thyroid level. When low thyroid level will be the hypothyroidism, high thyroid level will be hyperthyroidism. So this uh, level, really our thyroid is helps us with our metabolic syndrome. It helps to balance our activities on a day-to-day level. So when we have deficiency in thyroid hormones or elements like iodine, either high or low, then we can become lethargy and that can start having effects on our mental situation. So lab works needs to be done and identify whatever is going on with the thyroid or with the hormonal 
level in our body and correction needs to be made. When it comes to a hormone imbalance, the good news is that unlike before, when you talk about hormone imbalance, the main ways that people control this is through hormone replacement therapy. And somebody might say, I really don't want to uh, go through the hormone replacement route. Now, many natural therapies are now being employed to help help manage uh, hormonal imbalance, like vitamins are being used now, minerals are being brought on board, and some people are even using herbal supplements. All these are ways that people are now managing hormone level if they do not want to go through the hormone replacement uh, route. So finally, we'll look at a deficiency in neurotransmitter. I know somebody will be like, what the heck is a neurotransmitter? Neurotransmitters are the chemicals that are produced in, in, in the brain. They come in form of serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. These are the major chemicals that our brain produces to help maintain our, not just our mental health, but they also do other functions in our body. For example, serotonin has been implicated in many depressive conditions. Other ways we can maintain this chemical is to do go through the lifestyle modification and diet, just like uh, the previous hormonal balance. What we eat is very, very important, and we need to start focusing and paying attention to what goes on in our body. Finally, when people are going through any of this condition, disorder, we don't need to go to our physician and let them take assessment, do the regular test that is necessary to be able to determine what's really going on and how to be able to fix it. Mental health as a whole is a broad subject. So today we will end today's part here but on our next episode, we're going to be looking at the pharmacological ways of managing mental health, meaning we're going to look at the traditional pharmaceutical drugs that are being used in the management of uh, mental health. Then we're also going to look at the cannabis and the cannabinoid and their role in what they can, how they can help in management of mental health. So you absolutely do not want to miss the next episode because that's really where you're going to be able to get the therapy that is necessary for the management of this disorder. I would like to say thank you so much once again for joining me today. And if you are yet to subscribe to the show, please do so. Subscribe to the show so we can keep it moving. For those that are already subscribed to the show, thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to us. Also, for those of you that are part of our Patreon group that are supporting us financially, we are very appreciative of your support. And if you would like to support the show financially, nothing is too small. You can check out our Patreon link on our website at wci-health.com. Until next time, remember health equals wealth. Thank you so much. 
Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform. Support the show by becoming a patron and donating on our Patreon page or on our website. For more information, visit our website at www.wci-health.com. Until next time, health equals wealth.